0: Eric sick thank you so much, man, for coming on during these times of uh, instability. How are you holding up in your life, not at the gym, but at home?
1: Uh, you know, it's been good. It's just one day at a time. Uh, it's it's nice because if you look at it as a, in a in a situation as a blessing, I would say because you know I'm always at work, I'm always on the road, um, traveling and everything else. So in a weird way man it's 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 a good time for me to reconnect with the family and try to get back into the home life as much as possible because you know us being on the road as coaches all the time like we don't get this time
0: have you been stocking up on things doing your best imitation of a doomsday prepper
1: I think I'm probably on the other side of that now I'm looking back and thinking man I should have I should have prepped a little bit better than I had before you know so scrambling around um I actually ran by the gym to grab a roll of toilet paper from the gym because we had those big, like, industrial rolls of toilet paper. Um, you know, eggs are, are eggs are scarce right now, and mm-hmm. but uh, you know, it's kind of hit or miss, and and obviously with the social distancing, and you don't really want to be cruising the stores, um, and and that part of it. So, uh, I've been trying my best to just go by myself and and get go there late night and grab whatever uh, whatever stuff we need. But man, it's it's crazy times right now.
0: You're a father of three. You know, are there fears? As a parent in this in this time with the the COVID nineteen going around,
1: absolutely. I think you know you, you as as a parent you have that sense of vulnerability for anything and everything, but this especially and and, and you know I, I don't like to keep hearing the fact that it's only really affecting the the elderly or people with um with already uh, medical ailments and things of that sort. I mean it is affecting some kids and you're seeing that. Uh, at the end of the day, you know it, you're, you're you're adhering to what the CDC says. You're staying at home and you're taking care of yourself and you're, and you're, you're washing your hands and do all the things you're supposed to do. And, you know, you keep your fingers crossed that nothing's going to come, come into your own household. But, yeah, man, I mean, being a father, any of that stuff scares you. But right now you're definitely
0: on high alert. Having three children in a house kind of locked in most of the time, it must be crazy. You know, it must be hectic. You know, I'm a father and I only have one child, but three yeah. is, is, a, is a load right there.
1: Yeah, I actually just took them to the gym, my gym, where obviously we're closed. There's nothing going on there. And I just put a, I put the two girls on the on the air runners and made them run uh, sprint intervals just to get that energy out of them. And, you know, they're talking a little trash back and forth to, to each other today and just causing their mom a lot of problems. So I'm like, all right, we're going to the gym. You guys are running sprints.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, Las Vegas, you know, it's a bustling city. Everybody knows there's always something going on there um, now. But nowadays, it's, it's slow the night. If you look at the strip it looks like a ghost town have you dr- driven yeah. by and and just kind of soaked it in a little bit like what's is it really happening like this
1: you know what i haven't and that's probably
0: i, I probably should
1: i'm born and raised
0: here in las vegas
1: so you know i've been here uh, 40 years man and, and i've never seen anything like this um obviously with what happened on uh, october 1 a couple years back you know the the city really rallied around each other and took care of one another obviously this is something that's different uh, we're dealing with a pandemic and everything else. But at the same time, I was so proud of our town in a, in a time when we needed to kind of come together. And you're you're kind of seeing that now. I think that Vegas Strong echoes uh, in this situation as well.
0: Yeah, it's, I feel like Vegas is it's more magnified there because it's so busy all the time compared to a smaller town you know where most of the time there's nobody in the street but there it's like everywhere all the time um it must have an eerie feeling uh if you do actually go out there and drive by
1: yeah no i, I have to that actually they, now you said that I, I i probably should go down there just to check it out i have seen a lot of my friends like gina gina mazzani and tim elliott they're like riding their one wheel you know, down the strip because there's nobody down there. You know, everybody's riding their bikes and stuff and hanging out. There's no one on the street, so you know, for for the experience alone. But again, like, hey, you're you're told to stay indoors. <laughs> I might just get in the car and cruise.
0: All right, now Extreme Couture. You know, you're you're the general manager there, on top of being a coach. But as a general manager, what were some of the tough decisions you had to make because of the pandemic?
1: Uh, you know, you want to cater to everybody, and I think that's the hard part. Is Sometimes you have to say no and sometimes you have to do what's, what's best for the team as a whole or the gym as a whole. And in this particular situation, you know, I felt that it wasn't up to us um, as fighters and coaches to continue to train and, and possibly put other people's health at risk. So that was the main concern and that was the main, I think, emphasis for us to get across to everybody when they thought like, well, why do we have to do this and why this and why that? And the good thing about it to me is that we decided to do that on a Sunday night. And I believe the word came down on a Tuesday that everything was going to close for 30 days. But I felt like it was the right thing to do to jump ahead of it and the way it looked for us as a, as a gym, you know, that we that we care about our members. You know, I've been there since day one and, and there's a lot of members that have been there as long as I have. And we're a family. So I want to make sure we take care of our family.
0: Yeah, I think coming from someone like you that has been there since day one, and you know a lot of the customers personally, yeah. uh, it's it's more believable when you say it compared to I guess a guy that just comes in and takes over later on, and while the business is successful already.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I think that's the the main thing is, you know, people look to me for certain things, and and I know that like myself and Randy and Ryan. You know, we're, we're kind of the pillars of the gym and the team. And, you know, when it when it comes from us and somebody hears it the way the way we brought it, I, I feel like it, it, it resonated, you know, and, and we just want to take care of everybody. And we don't want to be part of the problem. We want to be part of that solution here.
0: You got fighters that are in training camp. What is the protocol for these individuals?
1: Well, you know, as of last week, we were we were training with a small group. So what I was doing was almost like uh, buddy systems, if you will. So Puna Soriano has a has a fight coming up in May. He's obviously in camp. Um, and then Montel Williams Jr. also has a fight, same weight class. And those do, those two are very good training partners. So to kind of limit the, the amount of people in the gym, what I was doing was, okay, if you have a fight and you have a training buddy or somebody else that has a fight in the same weight class, let's pair you guys up. And let's schedule it out to where I mean, it, was, it actually took a lot of time because we were scheduling out, to the, you know, so that so the gym wasn't full of people at the most a 24,000 square foot facility had at, at, at most 10 people in the gym at a time. And then we would kind of revolve that. Um, and then, you know, really with Francis and our fight, we were supposed to leave today and fly out for Columbus for uh, Francis and Cody Stamen. Obviously, that didn't happen. So those guys, uh, as of last week, we just kind of played it by ear. If we were going to fight or not, we were going to train. But you know, obviously, we know how that kind of went down, and uh, we we just put everything on the back burner for now.
0: Oh, with Puna Soriano, man, he's a he's an interesting prospect. I believe, like, he's a guy that everybody should be watching right now. And you get to work with him. What what stands out about him?
1: Um, his calmness. He's he's one of the most lighthearted individuals you're ever going to meet. He really doesn't take much seriously. He's always joking, always having fun. And you know, the first time I ever worked with him was uh, he fought for a World Series of Fighting. And I was just wrapping his hands. And this is the first time I've ever seen him fight. It might have been his pro debut for that matter. And, I, and, you know, here's a guy who's joking, laughing, and really lighthearted the entire week, all the way up until I got the gauze and tape on his hands and this this dude just flipped a switch. And I never seen anything like it before. Went in there and just starched this guy and then was right back to Puna again. So, I mean, here's a guy who can who can seriously, he'll make you laugh all the way up until that cage door closes and then you're trying to try, try to take your head off.
0: For him, he should just take the path of building himself up through the ranks or do you feel like hey man he's probably ready for the top 20 if you put him in there
1: yeah he has that skill set you know when you break him down he really does he he has a wrestling pedigree but he's knocking dudes heads off so um behind the scenes you know he's still working on his ground game and still keeping his wrestling sharp But when you guys see him in the cage, all of his wins are are by knockout other than the contender series. You know, he actually went into into some deep waters. So, you know, it's almost kind of like we have this, uh, you know, trick in the hat. Like we just know that we can always lean on is our wrestling and our ground game because that's really where he actually shines. But his power is what's coming into play. So, um for me, I I think cage experience is very valuable. You know, I just cornered Marco Madsen, the the silver medalist uh, at the last T-Mobile, and the same thing with Mark. You know, Mark was like, "Man, I wish I would have got him out in the in the first. And I was like, "Man, that's that's what everybody's dream is." But you got that that 15 minutes of cage time. That's irreplaceable. No one gets that type of cage time like you did, and you had to fight back some some adversity as well. So those things are important. And I think that's the thing with the same thing with Puna, man. It's just the more cage time he can get, the better he's going to be. And you're going to start seeing him just shoot up that ranks.
0: Mark, he broke his jaw during the fight. Did he tell you in the corner that his jaw was broken?
1: No, um, but I could tell, like, the way it landed, you can hear it. And I was like, I mean, when it landed, me and Martin Cantlin both kind of like, I know Martin almost stood up like, like the fight was over, like he got knocked out. And then he got hit, and then his back was facing us, so I, I couldn't see his eyes. But I saw his body language right away, and his, and it just kicked on right naturally to go in for a takedown. And then in the corner, um, Martin, Martin and then the other guy were in the corner together. So usually if I'm the third, I'll always watch the opponent to see if I can pick up any details on the opponent. But when I looked down, I saw Mark kind of spitting out a little bit of blood. And then, you know, all of us just try to remain calm and not give him any indication that his jaw might have been broken because we knew we had, you know, the third round was going to be the, the the swing round there. So, yeah, man, it was it was crazy. Like, I've never seen a, a competitor quite like Mark. You know, he's a guy that it, 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 he's Olympian, you know, so the way he competes, the level that he competes on is, is just something I've never seen before. And I knew man, going into the third round, this guy was going to dig deep and he was going to pull it out.
0: Yeah, totally different. I've interviewed both guys, Puna and Mark, and Mark is uh, like a I don't know it's almost like he's like a, a, a villain from a, a Bond movie you know like, <laughs> for like sure. he's so he's so like serious and, and but you know like he knows what he wants out of his career because it's not like he's a young guy like Puna you know he's a little bit older so it's like right. he, he kind of has this trajectory for his himself like he needs to get in there and get get things done and and uh, move up in the ranks but with the broken jaw you know he's probably got some time now.
1: Yeah, and you nailed it. I mean, that's exactly Mark. He's he's very diligent. He's very scheduled. You know, he he almost is just goal oriented. Like he knows what he wants. He's systematic on everything. You nailed it. I mean, that's that's exactly who he is. Like right after his fight, he wrote me, and it was you know almost a, an outline. Of hey man, I'm moving to Vegas for six months. I need to be out there training with you guys. I need these trainers like every little thing you said because he, he is not uh very young, you know, he's short on time. So he wants to make, make some noise while he can in the UFC and and uh ring you know, string together some good wins and hopefully fight, you know, top ten top ten guys here within the within the year.
0: Yeah, perfect combination with you and uh Martin Campman together. It's gonna be awesome to see what he can do. Um, you know, like at the team, you know, or not at the team, at the gym, you got You're running team practices. That's a normal thing that happens every week. But you don't have that anymore. And I feel like a lot of fighters, they get camaraderie and motivation from those practices. Um, Do you believe, uh, you know, having these practices, like not having them is like one of the biggest obstacles for fighters these days?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that that, I was just talking to Jake Ellenberger today. And me and him were just going back and forth. He's like, dude, I just missed the team. Right. I, I feel the same way. Like, man, I just missed I missed the camaraderie. I miss being around the the guys and the girls and joking around. And, you know, there, there's something to say about um, a group of individuals working together to achieve a common goal, right? I mean, Coach Fallis used to always hammer that to us. That yes, it's an individual sport once the cage door closes. But before that, man, we're only as good as the team and the people that we surround ourselves with. And that's what we're seeing right now is is all of us um, yearn to be a part of something bigger than us. And that's, uh, that's it. That's Extreme Couture. You know, so I, right now for me, it's is a lot of this, man. I'm, I'm on FaceTime. I'm eye to eye with them and talking to them the best I can and just trying to keep them motivated in certain ways, um, you know, making sure they're doing their road work. That's all we can control right now, right? If you don't have a home gym or you don't have guys that are willing to come over and, and roll with you in your garage, you got to hit your road work. You got to get your cardio in. You have to get your mental reps in.
0: One of them, the biggest figures in the gym would be, of course, Francis Ngana you've been you know you went through a long training camp with him his fight was postponed what are the vibes like when you talk with him about the situation that's going on
1: uh same you know he called me that night and he was bummed man like we thought we were going to be able to pull this off and fight at the apex and um you know hopefully put on a show for for the them you know the American public like there's no one there's nothing else going on and he kind of wanted to be that light for everybody and go put on a show um, and it just wasn't in the cards and, and that's exactly it. You just said it. it was postponed. It wasn't canceled. And that was kind of what I was hanging on with him. And when I spoke to him, you know, we did a lot, we, we worked hard, he busted his ass for eight weeks. He did a lot of things he didn't want to do. And, 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 he submerged himself in a training camp and he just wasn't able to show it yet. And that's what I told him. I was like, Hey man, look, no one can take away the hard work we put in that eight weeks is ours. We earned it. It's sweat equity for when we get a, when we get to go fight. So just know that it's going to come sooner rather than later and and you know that work will never go away.
0: With that said, Dana White just revealed that there is a location for UFC 249 on April 18th. There's mm-hmm. a venue, there's but it's not going to have an audience, so you know, it is what it is. Would you be open to go with Francis and have that fight on that event at that event?
1: Yeah, man, if he, if he's fighting, I'm, I I got his back no matter what. Like we always tell each other that, man, to hell and back. So if that means we're going to hell to fight. I'm going with them. You know, and I'll lead the way. So it doesn't really matter to me where we are, where we go. Um, I'll do whatever I take, whatever it takes. And, you know, I, obviously I don't want to put my family at risk or anything like that. But uh, at the end of the day, man, I, I, I made a sacrifice to him just as much as he made a sacrifice to me, and I'm always gonna have that dude's back no matter what.
0: Uh, another fighter, you know, on your roster is uh, Danny Gay. He's on a five fight win streak. Incredible. You know, last fight. He showed a lot in that fight, you know, a lot of went through a lot of adversity, came back and won it. He's you know, he's ranked now 15th. Uh, What makes sense for him next?
1: You know, um, we we look through the rankings quite a bit. And I think now with the way the the cards are lined up and uh, the people that are already booked, uh, it almost makes sense to kind of let the dust settle. And there's there's a few names out there that we like. Uh, I think I think there's some great matchups. The Shane Burgos fight to me, those two would just put on a barn burner, barn burner fight. Like those, I mean, Shane Burgos is a stud and, and Dan are very similar. And I can see those two just going in there and putting on a fight of the night sort of clinic. Um, and that fight makes a lot of sense because neither of them are booked and Shane just got um, re-signed by the UFC. So that name definitely jumps out more as a fan favorite. You know, I've, I've watched that guy fight for a while. He's a stud. And then I, I think Dan has a skill set too to go out and, and, uh, and do some damage.
0: Yeah, man, uh, that would be a, a, a fireworks fight right there. I love both those guys. Uh, great matchup. Um, now, I was looking back at you uh, on you and you know what you've been through from being a member of the gym of Extreme Couture and like over a decade ago, and and now running the place for many many years. You know, it's such a it's such a success story, man. It's, and it's like you're right in the middle of it. It's not even like close to being in the end. You know, like when you're living this. Lifestyle is it almost like living a dream for yourself?
1: Yeah, very much so. And I never, I never showed up to Extreme Couture um, expecting this to be my life, you know. And I think just kind of what we were alluded to earlier, just being a part of the team and being a part of something bigger and, and the the dynamic that we have set um, really drew me to it. And you know, I, I love going in the gym every day. I love calling it my own, you know. Although it's Randy's name on the gym, it's my heart and soul that's in that place. Um, I got to see a lot of really good people come in that come in and out of that gym and like Jay Haran and Mike Pyle and those guys and Martin Campman were very, um, very integral in, in my growth, you know, as well as like uh, Dennis Davis and Coach Falls and those guys. So when I look at that gym man, like I, I just feel like it's a part of me and and I, I almost I almost feel lost without having it, you know, And and sometimes like just even going in today, no one's in there. It's just me. But it, it feels like an extension of myself. So, yeah, you know you that I love that place and, and there's no place I'd rather be. I say it all the time. I'm on the mats. Every, every time I run a practice, you hear me yelling. There's no place I'd rather be than here with you guys today.
0: Yeah, man. There's a reason why so many fighters go out there to train and visit and, and, and enjoy their time out there and, and make it their home, you know, after, uh, you know, a couple of trips. So yeah, Eric, man, appreciate the time. Uh, I know this is time. These times are kind of difficult, difficult for everybody, but stay safe and keep your family safe. And, uh, thank you so much, man. Hopefully we'll talk many more times.
1: Hey, my pleasure, John. Thanks for having me on, man. I'll talk to you soon.